episode number 10, The Card is Going to Change, presented by AIW and sponsored by Smartmark Video and the This Is Awesome Wrestling Show. I'm your host, Glenn Moore, and joining me in studio, like always, the co-owners of AIW, John Thorne and Chandler Biggins. Pardon the interruption. Yeah. <laughs> Uh-oh, special guest this week. <laughs> We have in studio with us our f- first studio in studio guest. Well, first guest. We had to drag him out of retirement somehow. <laughs> Aaron Aaron Bauer joining uh, the show, AIW Staple. You know his voice on many, 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 many events for AIW and uh, being involved with AIW Smells for so many years. And... <laughs> yeah, I've been around a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but this, week, this week's episode is going to be dedicated to JT Lightning and uh, a Everybody here in the room has experience. Even I have experience. My first indie show, JT uh, invited me beat to come you down. <laughs> Punch you in the face. He, did, he didn't beat me up. Uh, it was back when Butterbean was uh, uh, with... Uh, he punched you in the face? No. He, I tried to body slam him in the ring. I was there. Butterbean stepped on my feet. I had flip-flops on. It hurt. <laughs> yeah. Thought about that little bar? No, it was at a fucking... Uh, some school, Maslin High school. school. Yeah, it was oh. down in Ma- at Maslin. It's during your dark era, dude. I thought that was the Thor and I somehow thing. got booked by oh, JT to do down in the flats. Oh, fucking. Oh, uh, Jimmy's in the flats. Yeah, fucking. Uh, what was that? Blizz Big Glove Boxing. Dude. <laughs> but uh, I think we should talk about JT uh, because August 4th is the anniversary of his passing. And uh, I don't think any of us three would be together right now if it wasn't for him in uh, some weird way. And uh, I think a lot of people ask us. Who is JT? Because I think the J-Lit has really opened the eyes of uh, people about JT Lightning. Yeah, um, you know, it's... I mean, I've never even really talked about him since his since his passing, so this is kind of, you know, outside of, like, the J-Lit and things like that, so this is kind of uh, a surreal moment for me, I guess. But, uh, yeah, I, I would admit, like, he is responsible for probably bringing all three of us together, and, uh, you know, he probably... You, he would probably be mad if we tried to sit here and uh, paint him with these like rose-colored glasses. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, I think I think he would be upset that the reputation he built of being uh, a fucking tough and rugged independent pro wrestling vet was not uh, discussed a little bit, as Aaron kind of hinted on before, <laughs> asking if he beat you up, Glenn. Uh, JT definitely had a beat you up side to him uh, that came, that came out more uh, more than uh, on one occasion. Uh, I, I, I got I, threatened by him, but luckily I never got hit. Man, he, he should have hit you. Yeah. There was a couple times. I was yeah, like, he probably should have. I like you, but uh, I was like, you know what? That guy's Biggins a deserves asshole. to get hit right now. You know, he was like, he was such this imposing figure. I don't think people even, even can like grasp that. Like in today's day and age of like the like the pussification of America through like social media and political correctness like JT would not fit in in the modern modern times because he was like yeah there was nothing PC about him yeah like uh you either loved him or you hated him and even if you hated him you kind of loved him because you knew exactly where you stood with him um you know there was times where JT and I were the best of friends probably for all of us and uh there was times where you know you never knew if he was going to fucking punch you right in the fucking face as soon as you walked into a show um and you know I I probably had a little bit of different experience than you guys cuz I started dealing with JT when I was like 15 years old I started doing business transactions with JT when I was 15 years old and talk about fucking terrifying being like a little fat teenager 
and like having to try to like do business with this like 30 year old like gassed up fucking asshole like just intimidating fucking guy um he was like you're never gonna see a guy like that ever again probably um you know, Not that could ever get to the level he did because people just can't accept it in this day and age. Right, and he it was just like he fucking took Cleveland and he made independent wrestling here. There was, probably wasn't independent wrestling here since well, like the Johnny Paradise or whatever. The Johnny fuck. Uh, Powers. Powers, whatever the fuck. After like the territories died down, I don't think there was anything. And like if you go back and research, like it kind of exploded when JT came. Yeah, in. like I think the 80s were kind of like dead and then jt was i'm pretty sure jt just trained himself i don't fucking really know the story does anybody know that story like i don't don't think he was ever trained i think he just fucking figured it out by reading some magazines i'm sure sure there is some story but that was so long ago because he started in like 91 92 yeah uh and you know i met him in 1999 and by that time he had a you know a 100 a foothold on the area uh and you know like i said you know, if it wasn't for him, I would not have been involved in wrestling because at the age of 15, he agreed to rent me his professional wrestling ring because I said that I would come up with $300 somehow. Uh, and he said, cool, give me 300 bucks and you got to book me, the Canadian bad boy and Goliath on the show. <laughs> uh, when was, uh, when was your kind of, I, I know you have like a weird experience about how you kind of, uh, came about meeting JT Aaron. And I, I think that's needs to be told. Uh, he was running Cleveland All Pro. This is '96, uh, and uh, his name on the name on the card that day uh, that that weekend was uh, Tommy Wildfire Rich. Oh man, how many times did he book fucking Wildfire Tommy? Rich? He loved that guy all the time, <laughs> dude. That was like his favorite. Him, wrestler Smothers, ever. and Hammer probably got more paydays out of JT than any other promoter. Yeah, they 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 deserved it though. I mean, <laughs> they oh they killed it every time. Um. Yeah, so he had a uh, wildfire coming in, and uh, I was was working as a security guard in a hotel. And um, let me see, Tommy Wildfire Rich walks in because he was staying at the hotel that weekend, uh, getting ready for JT's show, and uh, he had a couple cases of beer with him. And I was starstruck because I was trying to get into the business, and Tommy was it just started with. Uh, his run with the FBI and ECW, and he was doing these promos. Uh, of, I don't know about eating Domino's pizza, whatever. <laughs> and they, I think they had just come out with that big flag with the face the airbrush. The airbrush. Yeah, yeah. The Don. Oh man! So I was real hyped on Tommy Rich, and he come into the hotel. It's like I don't know one in the morning, and I was the only one there. Uh, besides the front desk guy, he's signing in. I walked up to him, and I was like, whoa. Hey, man, I just, just want to shake your hand. You're youngest NWA heavyweight <laughs> champion of all time, 21 years old. And this dude just stopped in his tracks, Tommy did, and he set his beer down, shook my hand. He's like, you know a lot about wrestling, don't you, boy? <laughs> I think you even need deeper. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And uh, I was like, well, I, I'd like to, you know, I'd like to think I do. And I'm trying to get in and I got the torch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I subscribed to the dirt torch. sheets. And I told him, I told him, I said, well, you know, I, I mainly know my stuff because I've been I've been reading the dirt sheets. Oh, the dirt sheets are bullshit. <laughs> he was so pissed about the dirt sheets. He hated the dirt sheets and the Internet. 
But um, one thing led to another. He ends up in his hotel room, and he keeps uh, keeps calling down for room service. And, you know, we stopped serving, uh, I don't know, at 10 at night. So there's nothing going on. But it's Tommy Wildfire Rich, and I have the keys to everything. So I'm like, <laughs> hey, man, whatever this guy wants, tell me. And I, yeah, yeah, we'll make it happen. So um, I end up... I don't know. I brought him some, like a fruit plate or something, or a basket <laughs> or something. He said he was hungry, and that's the only thing I could really get my hands on at the time. So I bring it up to him, and uh, he's drinking beer, and he invites me in, just hanging out, talking wrestling. After a while, he's like, uh, "Hey man, hey man, uh, why do you, what do you got on your belt there?" I was wearing like a security guard badge, you know, almost like a plastic one. It wasn't even like real. <laughs> yeah. He thought I was a sheriff. He thought you were a cop. <laughs> oh, man. so he's all of a sudden he's, he's pissed and he's giving cool. me, yeah, he's giving me like a look of death. And I thought, oh shit, I'm done. You know, it's over now. He's gonna beat the fuck out of me, and um, I, he's gonna Luthez press me right here. And uh, instead, uh, you know, I called him down. I said, hey, man, I'm not here to tell on anybody or anything. I'm just trying to, you know, just, just, just trying to see that airbrush right flag, thing, man. <laughs> Fucking narc. I just thought, yeah, I want, a, I, want, I want an FBI T-shirt. I asked him for one. He said, no, no, those are Guidos. And um, so I left. And, uh, you know, another half hour later, he calls the girl at the front desk, she answers the phone. He's asking for a massage because he had a rough match the night before. <laughs> and uh, she's like, I don't know what to do with this guy, man. He's, he's I bet he could figure out something. Right. So and now, now it's three in the morning and I'm getting a call on uh, my walkie talkie. Did you check the, uh, the kitchen area? There's uh, <laughs> some rattling, some noises going on in the kitchen. So I grab my flashlight. That's all I was equipped with. <laughs> and I don't know what the hell's going on in there. And uh, I walked down. I opened up the kitchen door. And I look. There's Tommy Wildfire Rich standing there with the refrigerator door open, making a big-ass sandwich. <laughs> he was like, broke right into the kitchen. Yeah. And I didn't have keys for that refrigerator. Tommy got it open somehow. <laughs> but, I mean, the sandwich had, like, six pieces of bread on it, uh, a pound of turkey, a pound of ham, Tomatoes, lettuce, everything. It was like the best looking sandwich I'd ever seen. Uh, fuck Melt, you know, this was the precursor. <laughs> so the dude had everything laid out, a bunch of pickles and chips and everything. So I go, Tommy, man, hey, what are you doing? He goes, oh, like a deer in headlights. I thought this was the pool. <laughs> I said, what? He said, this ain't the swimming pool? And he's looking around like he's dumbfounded that he can't find that's where he's going to dive in at. Trying to confuse this fucking fake sheriff. <laughs> so, yeah, so uh, I was like, no, man, if you want a sandwich, just, you know, you tell me. I'll figure a way to get it. Well, I'll just take this one upstairs. Can you make me another one, too? <laughs> so, uh, anyway, uh, I took care of everything. And um, by the next day, he's like, I'll introduce you to a promoter, get you into school, bring you down to ECW. I got a roll for you. Oh, you're you getting a contract could, right yeah. off the rip. <laughs> he liked your sandwiches straight from the hotel. You you could be in the FBI. You kind of remind me of Sammy the Bull. So I say, you're little Sammy. You're going to be our you're gonna be our manager. But Tommy sandwiches. was the manager. You're going to manage the manager. Yeah. <laughs> so um, the end game here is uh, he told me that if I showed up at Cleveland All-Pro, JT's show, the next day, 
that uh, all I had to do was go to the door and give them my name. I come in for free. So I'm like, yeah, that's cool, man. I was going to spend 10 bucks, but I'll save it. And I go to the door. JT's at the door. He's taking the money. I go, uh, yeah, I'm a guest of Tommy Rich. JT's like, what the fuck? <laughs> that motherfucker, I got, I'm not giving out comp tickets. <laughs> and he's fucking pissed. And he's looking at me, and he wants to fight me right there. Oh, I, I guarantee so it. so hot about it. That fucking 10 bucks, man, that was fucking. That Make was or buy, break. And, you know, that was 96 buying, or whatever. That so. was buying a book bag for Hannah and Mikey. That was, that was buying hay cuts in a Mountain Dew. Right. So, uh, anyway, Tommy comes out, vouches for me. This is my guy. Yeah, JT's in a, like a weird spot. I'm in a weird spot. JT lets me come in. And I, I think I end up having like to run the camera for him that day because You whoever, were the free guy and you weren't paying. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, we got to put you to work. work. So JT says, look, you run this camera. And um, I don't want you like pointing it at the ceiling or anything or, <laughs> or pointing it to the ground. If I see any of that shit, I'm going to come over to your house and I'm going to kick your ass and beat the fuck out of you in front of your mother. I'm going to make her watch. Dude. I, I believe, dude. Right. I believe this story yeah, come on, 100%. Dude. Come on, dude. Yeah. And, Don't uh, fuck this up, dude. I was like, okay, okay, sure, sure. I, everything's good. I knew I'd know how to film like a wrestling show because uh, I just would know how to do that. I know the angles and, you know, where to Not go. Not the floor but, the ceiling. Yeah, but... I didn't know how to operate a video camera. <laughs> I had no idea how to turn it on. And uh, I go up to one of the uh, one of the workers who looked like the least intimidating one, and I said, "Hey, uh, whose camera is this?" They point me in the direction of Canadian Bad Boy. So I go to Bad Boy. I'm like, "Hey, man, how do you turn this thing on?" And uh, he had to turn it on for me. Once it was on, with a pencil. Yeah, yeah, that was good. We uh, and my uh, I guess my work was good enough that I got a call back uh, the next six months. And so while I was ended up getting into training, I was filming JT shows. I don't know, probably for six months to a year, I filmed his shows. It's kind of crazy that uh, you catching Tommy Rich breaking into the hotel kitchen, got making a sandwich, business, right? got you into the business through JT. Uh, that's I mean that's one of my favorite stories that I think I've ever heard in my entire life. That's real random. You always hear, like, uh, you know, how these people got into wrestling, and it's, you know. And, the, like, especially, you know, your first night in, and JT fucking screaming at you with those for those comp tickets. Like, Ugh. I could, you like, could have just ran you were away. probably, I wanted you to. You were probably terrified because, yeah. you know, people don't, like, I'm trying to, you know, we're, we're trying to kind of explain is, like, JT was a larger than life figure, especially around here, you know, like it's such an aura about him. This wasn't, you know, the East coast or, you know, the South or where you had all these, you know, larger than life guys walking around. There was JT and then there was everybody else. To put it in perspective of like anybody from the East coast, he was like our Zandig or like in the mid South, like an Ian type. On on a bigger level, I would compare it to what almost everybody's ever told me about their first time meeting Vince McMahon. Yeah. It was like, like, you're so intimidated. But like, yeah, like, and you know, like I said, you know, there was times where I'd be 15 years old and I remember like he rented his ring out to another guy named John, but like, this is before cell phones or anything. (laughs) He just fucking, he just found the first John that he had probably written in his notebook and he calls my parents' house and talks to my mom and then gets, she gives me the phone and he (laughs) motherfucks me for 25 minutes and I. I, I hadn't rented his ring the day before. I was like, and then 
fucking after 25 minutes of him telling me he's going to kill me, he's going to drive to my house. He doesn't care that I'm probably fucking bang your mom, you know, kill your dad. He, yeah, you know? he doesn't. He doesn't care who I am or you know, uh, you know how old I am or whatever the fuck. Then he goes, "Oh wait, this isn't John McFadden." <laughs> <laughs> Said, "No, this is this is John Thorne. Uh, I uh, I'm gonna rent your ring in April." And he goes, "Oh fuck, never mind. See you later, man." <laughs> And, uh, you know, like, but there were so many of these other stories where, like, I remember there was, like, a show probably in, like, 1999 or 2000. This, is like, solidified my fear of JT Lightning is, you know, he had he had yelled at me before, you know, I'd, you know, uh, I had started going to his shows and things like that. And he did this show in Garfield Heights, Ohio, and Sabu was there. And I remember specifically Doug Gilbert was there. Mm-hmm. And I don't I know. There. I don't know what happened. I I don't know what happened, but all of a sudden JT starts fighting a police officer and he gets fucking dragged out by the Garfield Heights police in the middle of his own show. And I just remember this venue like it was yesterday. There was mirrors everywhere and fucking Sabu's running around and JT is just getting fucking arrested like halfway through his fucking show. And like, I was just like, holy shit, this guy is terrifying. And and that was even crazier because that was the weekend that the Plain Dealer, which is the cl- biggest c- newspaper in Cleveland, was covering him just to like a local story because <laughs> JT was a bread man. So they were like bread man by day, promoter by night. But it happened to be that they covered the weekend he got in a shoot fight with a cop and got arrested. I think he did it on purpose to get some fucking good pub. <laughs> good pub? Yeah, to get, the, to get that fear going. But, you know, JT, like... You know, JT was scary, but JT was also, like, the best dude ever at times. You know, like, uh, if you were a wrestling fan and, like, you could connect with him, like, you stood out above all these other guys. Well, well, I I think, like, that would be, like, where I come in with my story is, you know, I uh, had done, like, a couple wrestling things in Pittsburgh, but it was just for fun. And, like, uh, I started coming to his shows, like, all the time. I started – he was the first, like, real independent I ever found out about. And I found out about it through Dave Prezak, of all people, because I was like, I love wrestling, blah, blah, blah. This is on AOL chat. And he's like, did you know there's this crazy promotion in your town? And I was like, I have no idea. So in 1998, I started going to the shows. And, like, JT – Anybody that had a passion for wrestling, JT could find it. And, like, me and him would just talk shop. And, like, I'm a punk-nosed kid. And, like, he's talking to me like, oh, did you hear this in The Observer or this or yeah, that? Yeah, because, like, you know, like, it, it was kind of weird with JT, not to cut you off, but, but, like, you know, there were people that, like, idolized JT. And, like, I don't think that he respected a lot of them because, like, they didn't talk to him like a person. But, like... You know, they just kind of idolized him like, because yes, he, boss. because he was like the promoter, you know, and like he could see right through that. But like, if you could talk shop with him about wrestling or like, you know, at East, talk to him about ECW or Smoky Mountain or what's going on in the dirt sheets, like he would disregard all these yes men and just sit with you and just talk and talk and like he loved wrestling, um, and that's you know that's probably how you developed such a such a relationship with him. Oh yeah, and like. You know, talking about I probably deserve to get hit at certain times. Like, there was a lot of wrestlers that wrestled for Cleveland All-Pro that wanted to fight me. And JT would stop it and tell me, you have no worries coming to Cleveland All-Pro. Nothing's going to happen to you because JT thought I was hilarious. Like, JT would come up to after the show and be like, I can't believe you just revealed who that mask guy was. That was hilarious. Or I can't believe you talked about how that guy worked at a gas station. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, like, it's, it's kind of crazy. And then, you know, years later... Um, you know, through when he was running Turner's Hall and stuff, 
I think that's kind of how we hooked up with Aaron Bauer, you know, because we were kind of just like well, always would, hanging around there and different, you know, d- for different and, reasons. And he would run out Turner's Hall to anybody. So, like, we would hang out with Aaron at these, like, little shows that weren't Cleveland All-Pro. And, like, uh, GT would just, like, you know, when he was in one of his good moods, like, he was the best person to be around. But if he was in a bad mood. Stay out of his way. Yeah, you didn't want to get beat up. Uh, so, anyways, long story short, we'll talk the origin of AIW another time. But uh, there was a time where uh, one of our partners had gotten on the mic and, like, uh, cut a promo on JT. Well, the promoter didn't – one of the promoters did not see the JT. I was the next person to see JT, and me and Aaron had gone to a show, and we were all excited because that was when they had wrap snacks, and we thought it was hilarious. So we're on this, like, carrying all these snacks in for the wrestlers – and JT comes up to me in the locker room and goes nose to nose with me. And I think I about peed my pants. I think you dropped your uh, little Bow Wow Cheetos. Because <laughs> <laughs> he goes, you motherfuckers at AIW were talking shit on me. I'm going to kill you. And I go, it wasn't me, sir. It wasn't me. Yeah, because like, the thing about JT is like, um, you know, I, I think, you know, you know, there was times where we were at odds with him. And there was times where we were, um, you know, kind of allies with him. But like, I think the one thing that he respected is no matter what, we always kind of stood our ground and did our own thing. And I think, you know, there was times where he would purposely throw obstacles at us to see if we can overcome them. And then if we did, he was, you know, he was your best buddy. And it was almost like this weird, like, like he tough, had to earn his respect, like this weird, tough love thing that he did with us, um, you know, for all these years. And, you know, I'm sure Aaron didn't have to deal with a lot of that. Like we had to deal with that, but he was kind of always in the middle of it. Cause you, you kind of played for all the teams at, at one time or another. But, like, the one thing with JT is, you know, if you got on his good side, and luckily uh, he had a lot of personal drama, and we had a lot of personal drama over the years. And, you know, our company split up, which is another episode, and his company split up. uh, And he became, like, kind of an ally to us later in life. And, like, we would go to all his shows. We started handling. He finally got in, like, DVDs through us. Um, and like, he was going to give us all his old footage because he's like, I know nothing about technology. I can't do anything with it. So I'd say probably what the last three years he was alive. He was all about like helping us. He started, uh, being like an agent for AIW and, uh, refing. Yeah. And he would like help call matches and stuff. And like, uh, especially like he started coming to the first G and O's. Yeah. He helped. He was very, very helpful in the, uh, you know, the beginning of, uh, the girls night out stuff. Cause he would help a lot of those girls get through their stuff. And, uh, like one thing before I forget, I just want to like I just thought of this story that just like solidified like another time my fear for JT Lightning is I was at a show. It was probably like one of my first ever indie shows. It was an EFW show, and something went wrong, and JT beat the shit out of J Rock, this guy Sage in Eight Pac, so bad, like with chairs. I've never seen a beating like that in my entire life, <laughs> and uh, it it was terrifying. But the you know, the thing that kind of sucks about JT not knowing a lot about technology and how to get his footage out there is he was doing all these awesome shows throughout the 90s and nobody, like, no, that that footage is hard to come by, Like, you know? if he would have somehow hooked up with Smart Mark Video, 
I don't know what, you know, like he could have been easily on the level of a CZW or IW Mid-South back in the day. Yeah, because he was just running these crazy supercard shows with like all the indie guys that were any doing. Any hot guy from ECW, any deathmatch guy, any ring of, and later on he would do any like hot ring of honor guy. Or ECW guys or, you know, but like at 96, you know, uh, bringing guys like Tommy Rich and Little Guido and the FBI and that was. Mick Foley, you know, uh, Smoky Mountain guys, Bruiser Bedlam. Yeah, that was like, you know, that was crazy because JT was such a fan of, you know, that kind of like Memphis style of mixing every style together. And I think that's something like we've kind of picked up the uh, picked up a piece of, of. Yeah. And like, you know, I think, you know, that his, you know, it, at the age of 21, all we wanted to do is be different than JT Lightning. But I think now, you know, at the age of 31, 32, we realize that like this is. This is what Cleveland is supposed to be. You know, it is supposed well, to be it, this it, weird freak show mix your, of wrestling. Your differences from him, um, you end up finding out, I think, like the core of it is the same, though. It was the same. You guys had the same principles. Yeah. Like running this uh, tight ship of a show now and putting on the best shows. And you don't want these other garbage indies taking up spots. Um, because well, Cleveland's oversaturated, was oversaturated. With and, it, you know, it always has the potential to be again. But, it, like, us, like, talking now, it almost feels like sometimes I'll say something and I go, oh, my God, this is like when your parents told you something mm-hmm. when you were a kid, and you're like, oh, come on, my, my mom and dad are lame. Mm-hmm. But then years later, you go, holy shit, like, JT was right about this or right about that. Like, there's times I say stuff and I go, oh, my God, JT said that. You know, you guys, um, it's funny because you talk about how he wasn't like on the cutting edge of technology then, but in 96 or, uh, 97 and 98, I started running shows and JT shows. I had to look up to those because he was was putting out videotapes of his shows and then like filming, uh, producing pre-tapes and promos uh, backstage and on public access. And he was like producing like a public access with like he was like editing it with like a VCR pretty much. Right, right. And, and uh, not, me, to, not to talk too much about your thing because we could talk about yeah. that another time but you did have a camera that turned off every 15 seconds. <laughs> right, right. So like you had for camera- my shows we, we were only getting um, whoever the promoter the promoter you know his match and we were getting like whoever we brought in so like all we brought in match. all Furman and Sabu we had that match like, that uh, was on Aaron tape and that's came, it Aaron one time came over to my house and he was so excited because I found my old tapes we're watching it and pretty much his promotion was the inventor of Vine yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was Vine wrestling yeah it was Vine wrestling It'd be like look man we got uh, four and a half minutes of battery here so uh, this is a finish for this match we're gonna film that uh, we we want to make sure we get this whole match, but um, we only want entrances on these but, guys. But to talk about JT, about getting along with him or whatever, we uh, one day, one day we hadn't talked for years, and it was real bad. And uh, we there's a promotion, Mega Championship Wrestling, which we all were doing, all three of us and uh, JT, and we were all at the show. And JT was at one end of like four gimmick tables, and we were at the other end, and we weren't going to be the ones that go up and talk to him. But he just walked down and goes, look at this Japanese wrestling magazine. Is this chick hot or what? <laughs> and we're like, oh, what happened? You don't want to kill us today? Like- yeah. We're like, oh, four years of, like, heat and, like, disagreements? Like, it was just like that. And, like, he's just like, I've been following what you guys are doing. It's great. And, like, I think, like, two months prior, he had threatened our lives on MySpace. Yeah, but, like, I, that goes back to, like, I really – 
truly, you know, he would have never admitted it because he is such a stubborn, hard-headed guy. But, like, I truly feel like he was really doing that tough love thing to us because, like, he had seen so many people start up and fail. And, like, the fact that we were able to keep going and, you know, kind of not back down from him, I think earned his respect more than a lot of other people. Um, at least, you know, that's my interpretation of it for all. And maybe he fucking <laughs> did hate us and want to kill us. But I mean, I, I think the same thing. But like, you know, I, I think, you know, he was at the end of the day, uh, he was proud of kind of sticking it out and, you know, well, I mean, make, making Cleveland a cool place for wrestling. I mean, to say what, something about Cleveland was, uh, pr- you know, the, the, unfortunately he, you know, developed cancer and he only lived about another year after he got the diagnosis. But uh, I would say about six months before he passed, he wouldn't allow any visitors other than immediate family. Like, I know the potato tried to see him, and he just would refuse. But he would stay in contact with text messages to us. And he texted us, I would say, what, a couple weeks before he passed? And it was the night was like after two, an absolution. I think it was like two weeks, because that was probably in June or July. Or July, and July, and then mm-hmm. he passed away in August. And it was a night of an absolution, and he texted us and goes, you guys had a killer card. My kids said it was great. Um, you guys, it's in your hands to keep my memory alive and to keep Cleveland wrestling alive. And, like, he texted that to me and Thorne. He's not texting it to anybody else. And, you know, he just, you know, and he said, you know, all I ask is make sure nobody ever forgets me. And that that is something that, you know, through the good times and the bad times, whatever you want to call it, like, this guy is the whole reason why there was wrestling in Cleveland or in, even in Northeast Ohio, probably. And for him to say that, like, really is something that has stuck with all of us, you know, and that's why we do the, the J-Lit every year. Because because I think the J-Lit has opened the eyes of far more people than, you know, I almost feel bad that JT wasn't more well-known in the independent wrestling but I think the Jaylet has kept his name alive and definitely caused fans to go, "Who is this guy? You know, why would they pay tribute to him?" And you know, that's really all because you know he texted us, you know, weeks before he'd passed away, and just said, "Please, you know, make sure nobody ever forgets me." He was very, you know, he wanted to be remembered. He had dedicated his entire adult life to to professional wrestling, and probably his entire life if you go back to when he was watching. Right, and you know, through you know, so you know, that's something that you know has stuck with us and. You know, for for people that always wanted to know, you know, why we do the Jaylet, you know, it's not just because it's not just a fancy, you know, a, a catchy name. You know, it's it's meaning. It's for this guy that you know impacted our lives and so, and so many other lives. I mean, you know, it, like Aaron, you know, he he breaks in, you know, filming a camera. He didn't even know how to operate. Um, you know, I got involved because, you know, it, as a as a eighth grader, ninth grader fan. The guy that was in my math class said he had a cousin that was a wrestler named Sage, and he got me JT's number. And I just called this guy, and he had no idea I was 15. And I was just like, hey, man, can I rent your ring? And he was like, yep, 300 bucks, uh, and you got to let me wrestle on it. And ever since then, I've been involved in wrestling. I never stopped being involved in wrestling. Um, you know, he would he had me referee Cleveland All-Pro shows when I was like 17 years old. Like, uh, if you would have told him that a couple weeks ago we had a show where Dutch Mantell and Robert uh, Parker got into it, like, JT would have been the happiest man alive. Yeah, because, and you know, like I was saying earlier, as much as when we were younger, we wanted to be so different 
it's just it's amazing how things kind of come full circle and we almost do his exact format of what he used to do like well, the young stars that r- you guys are on like the um the ground floor on right but you know if you think if you think about you know JT back in the day he was bringing in Colt Cabana and CM Punk and I think they this uh Cleveland was the first time they ever got booked out of Chicago cuz JT mm-hmm. was just like you know I heard hype on these guys Right, and like he was always booking these like these indie guys. I remember uh, what was that fucking guy's name? I like marked out so huge because I was starting to become like an indie nerd in like 1999, and he brought in like uh, oh, Casey Blood, <laughs> no, that <laughs> no. bad boy Hito, oh. no, no. Uh, uh, what was that guy? Judas Judas uh, Young was that his name? Judas Young, yeah, yeah he was a from Jersey. Jersey. Like he did like a punk. Uh, he gimmick. was on the ground floor, like Red, the uh, SAT. Yeah, like. But I remember I was like so fucking amped up to go see Judas Young at fucking Cleveland All Pro because I found him on the internet somehow. And like he brought in like Reckless Youth and like, uh, you know, only one time, but he was in. Like it's a shame that so much of that footage got lost because right before JT was going to give it all to us so we could like figure out a way to get it Cause out he, there. Because he was already sick and he's just like, I need people to see this because I've have. He had boxes and boxes of videos. Yeah, he had decades, you know, worth of worth of footage, and then his basement flooded, and it all got destroyed. Like uh, all that, all that footage got destroyed. And so probably decades of memorabilia. Like it was just, it was an unfortunate thing to happen right at his end. I still had some tapes, right, that I gave to you, and you ended up like using. Yeah, we have some stuff on YouTube, some stuff mm-hmm. on the AWR. We've been like, like, we've been trying to like reach out to old tape traders and stuff and try to like acquire as much of this old footage as possible. We've been getting packages of VHS tapes. We're slowly transferring it. Yeah. Like this guy, Sean Hovan that used to kind of consult with JT. Uh, he found like a, he found like a box of Cleveland all pro VHS tapes in his shed that he just sent us. Uh, and I know specifically one says like cactus Jack and Cleveland all pro. And then uh, I think he has that show that we were all at where JT got arrested fighting the cop because Sabu was there. It says Sabu Garfield Heights on it. So, <laughs> um, you know, I I guess, you know, as as we wrap it up, um, you know, uh, this a lot of people listening to this might not know who JT Lightning is or, you know, might I not. Mean, a, there's, uh, there's a tribute video online that I think people should seek out. And, like, might not have really had any interest in knowing. But, um, you know, for us, you know, Everybody in Cleveland, especially Northeast Ohio, this guy impacted everybody that's been involved in wrestling, you know, uh, for the last, you know, I mean, 5, without, 10, 15, 20 years around here. Without him, I don't think any of the groundwork would have been, like, made for any independent wrestling in town. Yeah, like, he was the guy that figured it out, and he figured it all out all on his own. Um, you know, do you, do you have any final thoughts, Aaron? Um. Yeah, I, I still this is, think this is just kind of hard to talk about. I don't know. Well, I, you know, no matter uh, you said the good times and the bad, and whether he liked you or hated you, you guys uh, specifically, um, I think that he did hate you guys in the end, <laughs> but he hated you a lot less than the other shit that was out in Cleveland. So it was like, yeah, the enemy, the lesser, my enemy. We're the, less, we're the lesser of all the evils. Right, right, right. And he's like, well, these guys, there's potential there. Uh, I still hate them. And and, and, I, and how many people could talk to him I'd about like to kill him. Uh, Jimmy Golden's run at Smoky Mountain? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, like, because JT was kind of a guy that wanted it all to himself. 
as much as possible, but uh, <laughs> yeah, got some good view walking by the window. Uh, yeah, but like uh, JT, like I think he kind of identified with us because when he booked Doug Gilbert, there's probably only a couple people in the building that knew what Doug Gilbert had done, and it was me and Thorne. And, and maybe Aaron, because he was a big Tommy Rich fan. <laughs> well, he was at my, my show the night before, because yeah. we would you know run back-to-back. And um, Doug Gilbert, I remember him giving me a bunch of uh, signed pictures of himself, and I just <laughs> kept going, uh, hey, man, do you got the ones with Jeff Jarrett? Would you sign those? Because I knew Jeff Jarrett. I didn't really know Doug Gilbert. He's like the dark patriot. Randy Hills does crack. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Yeah, so, you know, I, I think it, hopefully people are, uh, you know, know a little bit more about JT Lightning and uh, why we do the JLIT every year um, and what he really meant to, you know, everybody, uh, you know, in this area. And just uh, Google him and learn about him because he was the man. Yeah, and look up these old Cleveland All-Pro results, you know. Uh, Google Cleveland All-Pro. You'll, th- like, it's You'll some be of these, amazed. Some of these lineups he had for the time period, are, like, you would wish that footage of this stuff existed. Um, you know, I know I did put something up on the AW archives. It's like this crazy match with like Sabu and Tracy Smothers Bobby and Blaze. Bobby Blaze. And I think mm-hmm. Tommy Rich is in yeah. it. Oh, uh, the dog from the, WCW? The dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this match probably was the second most expensive match in Cleveland besides Absolution 10. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, like, um, hopefully, you know, this kind of piques your interest to kind of seek out some of this uh, local Cleveland history because, you know, he's responsible for pretty much everything. If he didn't rent his ring out, nobody would ever got a fucking promotion started. Um, yeah, because the first year of AIW, he hated us, wouldn't do jobs on shows, but fuck, that ring was always there on time. Yeah, you know. There when, when he was uh, doing run-ins on Southside, or yeah, yeah, cause Eastside he Eddie jobs. and Johnny Beef. He didn't want to lose, man. Yeah, yeah. No, no jobs, man. That was a, a reoccurring theme for several shows right? yeah and then uh you know uh that's just it's just one of those things where like he just honestly he shouldn't have been jobbing and we didn't get it but you know we, but we're just like we got to get guys over on him yeah yeah, we, yeah, we yeah. Were, like you know he knew that we were trying to make guys off of him so he made it the as funny, difficult the as funny possible thing is after because we, he was a fucking you know he knew the he fucking knew deal the business, and we didn't yeah. we didn't we didn't know really business we were just like ah oh, we're gonna fucking the funny thing is like you know it goes back to how many times he told us stuff in the early days that now I'm just like, man, we were totally wrong. He was right. We, If we probably would have listened to him instead of trying to be so different, we probably would have been way better off, way but faster. But nobody, th- nobody thinks their, you know, their elders are cool. You got to go. But, you know, I really wouldn't have it any other way. You know, going out and learning the hard way, I think, uh, made, made for some uh, learning lessons. Learning lessons and, mm-hmm. you know, for all of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, if it wasn't for JT, none of us would be here. My only story with JT was uh, the the Butterbean show, and I was I had a sports show and I wanted to go out and try to body slam Buttery and I had no clue about indie scene. My first indie event, and I was MySpacing him. Oh yeah, that, <laughs> was, G- that was JT. He was, loved MySpace. J- yeah. JT was hot in the technology yeah. on MySpace. When he, he, he was in my top eight. When he point. discovered that you could send, when he first got a phone with text messaging, real real quick. When he discovered you could send like uh, topless pictures and. Uh, like animated GIFs via text messages. No, like when he discovered that you could do a mass text message and yes. like text message thirty people at What's once. A GIF? When uh, like it's a picture that moves. Oh, you don't want to know. Man. It was a GIF. It's ruining wrestling, it's man. A GIF. It's a GIF. It's a GIF. Yeah, GIF? he just oh, says okay. he said it differently. It's Biggins, though. Yeah, okay. you know yeah, how Biggins yeah. fucks yeah. everything up. I know. Makes his own fucking terminologies. All right, let's get back. Let's yeah, let's get back. yeah. Sorry, Glenn. So 
I was messing with MySpace, and he goes, "Yeah, come on out. You know, bring your." I was like, my, my girlfriend comes, she's a photographer. So yeah, come on out. So I came out there, and I had no clue with the uh, with the indie. I got there really early. I go always come early to events, and there's Madison Rain was there. Um, a guy then, dressed as a Ghostbuster. I was just gonna say that. Yeah, <laughs> there was a guy dressed as a Ghostbuster there. And then like uh, I know Jake was there. Clemens was there. A young oh, Jake Clemens. Jesus Christ. But uh, I remember sitting in the crowd by where the guys would come out, you know, by the curtain, and I was sitting there by myself with my with well, my girlfriend, and I'm not like a huge mark where I'm clapping and cheering, and I'm just sitting there and you know watching, and he comes walking over to me and this serious look on his face, and he goes, "Are you having fun?" <laughs> And I'm like, <laughs> and he goes, he doesn't, he doesn't like bat an eye. He goes, are you having fun? And I'm like, yes. One of the good fucking write-up, man. Yeah. And I'm like, yes, yes, uh, yes, I am. He you're going to give me that good goes, fucking write-up sports reporter, man. <laughs> but he's like, no, you're not. And he walks away. And then I got able to, able to get in the ring and try to body slam Bunderbean, which is a great experience for me. And obviously I did Stepped didn't. on my toes, man. You're fucking. Yeah, we, stepped uh, on my we toes. were just there to hang out. We took DVDs down to JT to s- try to sell there. And uh, he just books me and Thorne last minute to try to do a pull apart with Butterbean. Yeah, and Butterbean was fucking swinging hot, dude. <laughs> yeah. He was swinging hot. I caught a fucking elbow right in the side of the head. I think JT fucking put him up to it. <laughs> yeah. So there, that's uh, my, my story. But uh, anything else, guys? Are we- no, I mean, you know, we could talk about this fucking guy for hours and hours Like, and I'm hours. sure as soon as we uh, we end this, we're going to think of 30 more stories. But I, I have 30 more in my head right now. <laughs> it's good. So we're, we're at yeah. a half hour, man. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, so like I said, just kind of seek out JT and look into this research because, like, uh, if you're a Cleveland wrestling fan, like, to know why, you know, we are at the position where we're at, you got to know kind of, where it all came from and where we came from and what you know what kind of started it all and that's cleveland all pro wrestling and jt lightning thanks for listening guys you can download the show on itunes lipson stitcher the google play store and uh make sure to leave a comment rate and subscribe to the show this has been aiw's the card is going to change sponsored by this is awesome wrestling show and also smart mark video we'll talk to you guys next week there's your boy